0: Hi, welcome to my podcast, where today I'll talk about resurrecting the command module, reaching home, celebrating, and a description of the Apollo moon missions. This podcast comes from chapters 7, 8, and 9, and an appendix of my book, Visions of the Church. It was first published in 2004 in one volume, Together with Visions of America. In Visions of the Church, I used the troubled, but ultimately triumphant flight of Apollo 13 as the narrative thread to provide an overview of 2,000 years of church history in a mere 80 pages. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel therefore i call the six books that i've written the general counsel series the first four books of the series outline the bible from genesis to revelation providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of america and the history of the church universal i post my latest thoughts regularly on my website timharner.com and now as i talk about resurrecting the command module reaching home, celebrating, and a description of the Apollo moon missions, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Chapter 7. Resurrecting the Command Module. Time was running out, and a daunting task faced the Apollo 13 astronauts. They must restart the command module. Usually, the complicated task of powering up the command module took a full day, a team of technicians, and unlimited amounts of electricity. Now, three astronauts must do it using unfamiliar procedures, with only a few hours and with no electricity to spare. There is barely enough power in the batteries of the command module to get it running again keep it running through the fires of reentry, and open its parachutes for a safe landing in the ocean. Making the task even more difficult was the poor physical condition of the astronauts. They were exhausted and cold. Amidst the cold and the stress, no one could sleep soundly. One astronaut even suffered from an infection and a high fever. The condition of the command module was far from perfect. With almost all of the electricity turned off, the spaceship was very cold. After sitting cold and unused for days, the command module was soaking wet with dew. A single flaw in the wiring would mean that the water on the wires could short out the whole electrical system, dooming the craft's cramped inhabitants. The final straw was that the spaceship was again drifting off course. At the time... The reason for this frustrating, terrifying problem of straying from the way home was unknown. After the flight, engineers figured out what had happened. It seems a small amount of water vapor routinely vented from the lunar module's cooling system. During the short descent to the lunar surface, and while the vehicle rested on the moon, this small amount of venting wasn't a problem. But during the long coast back toward Earth, Even this small amount of venting was pushing the spaceship off course. Against all odds, the astronauts did the impossible. They resurrected the dead command module by turning its systems back on and getting it back on course. Just in time for it to undergo the fiery trial of passing through the Earth's atmosphere, they were on the way home again. The loss of faith, hope, and love. As the church approached the close of the second millennium, it appeared the time was running out to prepare for the fiery trials that lay ahead. While Jesus walked among us, he assured us that, although there would be wars and rumors of wars, we should not be alarmed. The end is still to come. Such problems are merely the beginning of birth pains for the new heaven and the new earth that will be born. Nevertheless, the 20th century witnessed horrors so daunting that humanity seemed doomed. The butchery of two world wars showed the depths to which humans would descend in seeking power. The cruelty of the Holocaust revealed the depths to which humans would descend in persecuting people of other races and religions. And now this violent civilization possessed enough nuclear weapons to make of the earth a vision of hell forever. It seemed the church was once again straying off course due to people's unbridled lust for sex, lust for money, and lust for power, in addition to divisions between cultures and to quarrels and rivalries that come from wanting to be the greatest. Small wonder that many people lost their faith in, their hope in, and their love for God. Fortunately, countless unknown Christians kept faith, hope, and love alive. Indeed, God's power was made perfect in many of them because they experienced weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. For example, the church in the Soviet Union emerged triumphant from 70 years of persecution by the communists. And the church in China is growing today despite continued persecution by the communist regime in power there. We may never know the names of those unknown martyrs, missionaries, givers, and healers who have filled the underground church with the power of faith, hope, and love, despite bitter persecution by communists. However, we do know the names of three famous Christians who filled the church with the power of faith, hope, and love in such dark times for humanity. Billy Graham, Martin Luther King Jr., and Mother Teresa. Billy Graham, Faith. Billy Graham preached for decades about the faith in Jesus Christ that can put people and the church back on course toward eternal life. Two of his favorite passages from the Bible are the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, and the story of the rich young ruler, Matthew 19 verses 16 to 22, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 25. The prodigal son is an example of a person who has strayed so far off course that he or she will hit the earth's atmosphere at too steep an angle, burning up from lust. As you may recall, the prodigal son left his father's home in order to indulge his lusts, but when he ran out of money, his friends deserted him. And he found himself close to starvation at last he decided to go home his father forgave him welcoming him warmly showing us that even the person whose lusts have ruined his or her life can find forgiveness from god and get their life back on course for eternity the rich young ruler had the opposite problem he was the kind of person who is strayed off course so that he or she will hit the Earth's atmosphere at too shallow an angle, bouncing off into the icy, cold darkness of space. As you may recall, the rich young ruler was very careful to keep the Ten Commandments, but he still did not choose to follow Jesus, because he loved something more than Jesus, his money. Therefore, when Jesus commanded him to sell all of his riches, give the money to the poor, And come follow him, he went away in sorrow. Going to church regularly and following the rules of good behavior aren't enough to keep us on course toward eternal life. We must follow Jesus with our whole heart, loving nothing and no one more than him. We must have faith in Jesus Christ enough to obey and follow him. The preaching of Billy Graham encouraged millions of people to find the faith in Jesus Christ that enables them to flee their lusts, to put God first in their lives, and to follow Jesus daily. Martin Luther King Jr. Hope Martin Luther King Jr. faced a seemingly hopeless struggle. For centuries, African Americans had been persecuted and exploited. Nevertheless, he was determined to help them. Martin Luther King Jr. faced another hopeless struggle. For millennia, poor people had been despised and exploited. Nevertheless, he was determined to help them. Martin Luther King Jr. faced a third hopeless struggle. For millennia, people had fought wars. Nevertheless, he was determined to help end wars and find peace. There were many times in these hopeless struggles when Martin Luther King Jr. knew discouragement and defeat. Nevertheless, the night before he was killed, this Baptist preacher spoke words of hope and encouragement to all humanity. The hope that his dreams of joy and peace bring is worth remembering again. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Mother Teresa, Love Mother Teresa enabled countless poor, suffering, dying people to see the glory of the coming of the Lord. Her ministry in Calcutta to, as she referred to them, the least of humanity, made her among the greatest of the church. Hear her wisdom about the power of love. What we need is to love without getting tired. How does a lamp burn through the continuous input of small drops of oil? What are these drops of oil in our lamps? They are the small things of daily life, faithfulness, small words of kindness, a thought for others, our way of being silent, of looking, of speaking and of acting. These words of Jesus, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another, should be not only a light to us, but they should also be a flame, consuming the selfishness that prevents the growth of holiness. Jesus loved us to the end, to the very limit of love, the cross. This love must come from within, from our union with Christ. Loving must be as normal to us as living and breathing day after day until our death. Mother Teresa's wisdom unites the truth of Christmas with the truth of Easter. The power of love comes from the perfect union between each person giving love to others in the smallest things of daily life, the least things, and each person receiving the gift of Christ's limitless love on the cross, the greatest thing. To have power in the church, we need faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Chapter 8. Reaching Home. Just before hitting the atmosphere at 25,000 miles per hour, the Apollo astronauts jettisoned the service module, exposing the command module's heat shield. The heat shield needed to protect the astronauts from temperatures that would soon soar to 5,000 degrees centigrade. As the service module tumbled away, the astronauts were stunned by the damage they saw. It was far worse than they'd imagined. They thought there might be a small hole in the service module. Instead, an entire side of the service module was blown away exposing its shambled innards. The realization of just how badly the service module had been damaged heightened a nagging worry within the crew members. Had the explosion cracked the heat shield? Because if there was a big crack in the heat shield, the astronauts knew they would burn up during the fiery trial that lay ahead. Hoping for the best, the travelers strapped themselves onto their couches In a gesture of respect, the mission commander gave up his seat to the astronaut who would have to pilot the command module during this crisis. Now all humanity waited, hoping and praying that we'd see television pictures of Apollo 13 reaching home safe and sound. Miraculously, our prayers were answered. All humanity cheered as television pictures showed the capsule floating triumphantly down from the sky on its billowing parachutes. Our joy was complete when we saw the astronauts emerge safe and sound from the command module. Similarly, as Christians look back on 2,000 years of church history, we are stunned by how badly our sins have damaged the service module. We've damaged the church far more than we'd imagined. And so the nagging worry is heightened. Have we damaged the church so badly that we will burn up during the fiery trial that lies ahead? Are the divisions in the church so great that these cracks in our heat shield doom us? Has the struggle to be the greatest doomed us all? Fortunately, everything is possible with God. Indeed, he has already told us how to heal these rifts and divisions acknowledge them. We must confess our sins because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter one, verse nine, as we confess, God will purify us from our lust for sex, our lust for money, our lust for power, our divisions between cultures and the quarrels and rivalries that come from wanting to be the greatest. Then we must put into practice the wisdom that Jesus tried to teach his disciples when he walked among us. Whoever wants to be the leader must be the servant. To be the greatest, we must become the least among those who serve. Just as the commander of Apollo 13 gave up his rightful seat so that another person could fill that position in the best interests of the mission. We must be willing to give up our rightful position in the church so that other persons can use their talents in the best interests of the church. After all, Jesus Christ was the first person to show us that becoming the least is the best, indeed the only way to become the greatest. Although Jesus was in very nature God, He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Furthermore, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Our heat shield can protect us because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Therefore, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. Furthermore, our heat shield can protect us because it is made from the same armor of God that Paul told Christians to rely on 2,000 years ago. verse 11 and verses 14 through 17. By using the sword of the Spirit, we can be certain that we will find joy and peace. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God, and God has promised that his word will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it, enabling us to go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 13. Therefore just as the world's last visions of Apollo 13 were the best ones, the command module floating majestically down from the sky on its billowing parachutes, and the astronauts coming forth safely from the command module, our last visions of the church will be the best ones ever yet beheld. In these visions of a new heaven and a new earth in the book of Revelation, we see the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. We will be his people, and God himself will be with us and will be our God, wiping every tear from our eyes. Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 through 4. In these prophetic visions of the perfect joy and peace to come, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, verse 6. It is the house of that Lord who is a faithful husband and a loving father, a friend who is always with us and who wipes away each tear from our eyes. Chapter 9. Celebrating. In this eternal home of joy and peace, we will celebrate the truth of Christmas and the truth of Easter each day. To celebrate when the astronauts reached home Some people in Mission Control lit cigars. However, to celebrate when the church reaches home, instead of lighting a cigar, I'd like to light a candle, just as we do once each year in our church on Christmas Eve. At the culmination of our Christmas Eve service, it is dark, except for a few candles at the altar. Each person waits in their pew with an unlit candle. Then the light symbolizing Jesus Christ is passed from candle to candle until the whole church is lit by the warm glow of candlelight. Together we sing silent night and joy to the world, lifting our candles high in celebration. That moment of celebration lasts for only a few moments. However, when we've been celebrating in the city of God for 10,000 years, with our candles shining bright as the sun we'll have no less days to sing god's praise than when we'd first begun and we'll be glad that we have an eternity to celebrate why we'll always love to sing about that silent night that holy night when jesus christ the truth of christmas gave us peace on earth peace for all humanity And we'll always love to sing about that happy morning, that amazing morning when Jesus Christ, the truth of Easter, gave joy to the world. Joy for all humanity. Appendix, a description of the Apollo moon missions. The command module was the conical shaped nose cone of the Saturn V rocket. It was the part of the spaceship that had three couches for the astronauts. The controls for the main spaceship, the heat shield to protect it during re-entry, and the parachutes to land it safely in the ocean. It was the only part of the immense Saturn V rocket that returned to Earth. All the rest of the rocket was expended along the journey. The service module was attached to the back of the command module next to the heat shield. It contained supplies for the journey including oxygen to breathe, fuel cells to generate electricity, and rocket fuel. It also contained the rocket engine for the spaceship. The nozzle of the rocket engine extended out the back of the service module. Astronauts could not enter the service module. The service module itself was jettisoned just before re-entering Earth's atmosphere. It burned up during re-entry. The lunar module was nicknamed the Spider because that was what it looked like. It had a rocket engine for landing on the moon. The lower stage of the lunar module remained on the moon, serving as a launch pad for the upper portion of the lunar module that contained the two astronauts who actually landed on the moon's surface, got out, and walked around. The third astronaut remained in orbit around the moon in the command module. At liftoff, the lunar module was behind the service module, perched atop the uppermost stage of the Saturn V. That stage shut down upon reaching Earth orbit, then restarted in order to send the spacecraft to the Moon. A short time after leaving Earth orbit, the command module, with the service module attached, separated from the uppermost stage of the Saturn V and turned around to connect the top of the command module. To the top of the lunar module. After docking headfirst with the lunar module, the command module pulled the lunar module away from the uppermost stage of the Saturn V rocket. The uppermost stage of the Saturn V rocket was then sent on a different pathway toward the moon so that it wouldn't collide with the manned spaceship. This now consisted of the command module in the middle of the service module and the lunar module. A cylindrical corridor connected the command module to the lunar module. The astronauts floated in zero gravity up and down this corridor in order to go between the command module and the lunar module. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as my website, timharner.com. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace.